Hello, Agnes here. I'm the Currences on its summer break, but because we spoil you, here is some special extra content for you from some of our other wonderful colleagues at Chatham House. Hope you enjoy it, and Ben and I will be back at the end of August with service as usual. and welcome to Design in an Age of Crisis, a new mini-series from Chatham House and the London Design Biennale on the Undercurrents podcast feed. I'm Anna Yang, Acting Executive Director of the Hoffman Centre for Sustainable Resource Economy at Chatham House, and over the course of this week, I'll be exploring the role of design can play in solving the challenges facing our world as a part of the launch of our international call for radical design solutions. On July 22nd, 2020, London Design Biennale and Chatham House launched an open call inviting radical design solutions from the world's design community, the public and young people. We're living in an age of world crisis and the current COVID-19 pandemic has either shone a light on or further exacerbated many of these. This open call hopes to harness the creativity that comes from crisis across four areas, health, environment, society and work. Throughout June, we brought together over 50 leaders, professionals, academic experts and eminent designers to help define what are the biggest issues that need urgent, radical solutions. In this episode, I'll be speaking to Sir John Sorrow and Rose Abdullazadeh about the power of design as a positive force in providing solutions in the face of these crises and how can you get involved in the initiative. Then in two further episodes, I will explore some of the ideas and questions that came out of the steering group that influenced the open call, one on health and society and one on work and environment. So to introduce today's guest, Sir John Sorrell is a co-founder and president of the London Design Biennale. John has championed the UK's creative industries for more than 50 years. With his wife, John founded one of the most successful design and identity businesses in Europe. Newell and Sorrell, and launched the Sorrell Foundation, an educational charity whose aim is to inspire creativity in young people and improve quality of life through good design. Rose Abdullahzadeh is the Managing Director of Research Partnership at Chatham House. Rose co-directs the Chatham House SNF CoLab, which is the new initiative aimed at bringing a wider range of perspective into Chatham House's activity and widening involvement in conversations about global issues. So in your view, John, what would you like to achieve with this partnership? Well, let me start with why it's called Design in an Age of Crisis. Here we are at this extraordinary, unique moment for most people in their lives. The pandemic raging across the world and everybody is focused on that. But in fact, it was only a few months ago that everyone was focusing and talking about climate change. So we have two major crises taking place at the same time. And it's many more crises than that anyway, because if you look at the other big issues facing the world, things like migration, things like famine, there are some really terrible things happening everywhere. And one of the things that I know from my very, very long career in the world of design is that designers are capable of coming up with some extraordinary thinking, ideas and solutions for problems 
So the idea is to take this title, Design in an Age of Crisis, and ask designers in this massive design community all over the world, and there are a lot of designers in the world, as well as asking members of the public and also young people, if they would respond with their design thinking, with ideas about addressing some of these extraordinary issues that the world is facing. So we're doing what's called an open call. We're going out with what I would describe as four briefs, which look at these big areas of health. How do we go from illness to wellness? Environment. How can we save the planet? How can design work to make better places for people? Society. How can we help to empower people? How can we help create more equality? Work. Very soon, the whole world is going to be talking about unemployment. They are already. It's another crisis which is looming. So the idea is to ask for responses quickly, urgent responses to this open call. And what we're really looking for is radical design thinking. And there's an awful lot of it around. We want to grab it all, gather it together, and then show it to people, first of all, through an online portal very soon indeed. So we start to exhibit very, very soon. But then the London Design Biennale takes place in June next year, 2021. And they will be a very important and special part of that exhibition in Somerset House in London, which showcases some of these fantastic ideas, which I'm sure will will come in. So it's incredibly exciting. Thank you, John. And Rose, in your view from Chatham House International Relations Think Tank, what is your view in terms of what this partnership design in the age of crisis is going to bring? Well, I think one thing that think tanks like Chatham House acknowledge that they need to do more of and do need to do more of is listening to others and not only coming up with ideas by themselves and being places for idea generation and analysis, but harnessing the creativity that's out there being places where people can come to express solutions or express ideas and then act as an um, amplifier for those and an, and an accelerator for the best ones as well and to see whether we can really push forward some of the ideas that come out of this competition. So I think while our initial partnership was so focused on the climate emergency, the thing that's happened with the pandemic is that it's really affected everybody's lives in every aspect of them. And so we know, we're really confident that people out there have taken their time to reflect and will have come up with some really incredible ideas and some incredible creativity at this moment, which we want to be able to grab and harness. Hopefully our lives will all go a bit more back to normal very soon, but we want to take this opportunity right now to see what people are um, reflecting on and thinking about and whether there are some things in there that we can grab as an organisation like Chatham House and really show to the world and start discussions about how some of these ideas could really come to fruition and and maybe become embedded within our societies and systems and the ways that we work, the ways that we live. And it's, it's hugely exciting, to be honest. So we're right at the point now where we're just waiting to see what stuff comes through and, and what people have to say to us through this open call. And I think what I find really exciting about this call to action is that because this crisis affects all of us, and, you know, being locked in our, well, now we're just coming out of lockdown, but there was a moment where we were starting to imagine what kind of different future could look like. And I think 
this call to action is part of this process of unleashing people's imagination to start to think about a radical future of a world that we want to live in. I think this is a very, very exciting crowdsourcing of innovation ideas. And John, you talked about the four themes and four focus areas. How do we come about choosing those four themes? You know, you're absolutely right talking about the global understanding of this, because one of the things I'm also very interested in is the word hope. At the moment, everyone's hoping for a vaccine. That's top of everyone's mind, or at least of really, really good treatments for COVID-19. One of the things designers are great at doing is looking into the future. They're good at problem solving. And what I want to do is through the online and also the physical exhibition in Somerset House next year, I want people to see the great ideas that are being produced and feel good about the future. People are gloomy at the moment. People are depressed. People are scared. They're worried. There's so much uncertainty. And one of the things I hope we can do is say, look, actually, there is some great thinking going on. There are some marvellous ideas out there. There will be more ideas. But what I'm interested in doing particularly is making it a global conversation. And the simple fact is, if you look around the world at what is happening in different countries, there are some very, very good ideas going on. And there's nothing like looking at best practice, what's being done elsewhere, and then adopting it to help you move forward. So that's something I hope will come out of it. As far as the different areas are concerned, well, we really started off thinking particularly about health and the environment, because obviously those were top of mind. But the knock-on effect of the pandemic and indeed the continual effect of climate change and the impact it's having is that it affects all kinds of other things. So one of the areas, of course, is the world of work. People right now are worried about jobs. They're worried about employment. They're worried about being able to pay the rent or the mortgage, or in some cases, even being able to buy enough food. So what about work? What will the world of work turn into? What it will be like? How can we design a better way of working? So a lot of people are going to change their working habits because of what they've been experiencing the last few months, not just in the UK, but around the world. Uh, And of course, the impact on society is absolutely enormous. And when you look out there at some of the people who are developing some quite serious mental conditions, some stress is such a dangerous thing. People aren't just affected physically, but so many people are affected mentally by the pandemic, their worries, lockdowns, all of those things. So what we need to be able to do is to try and predict some of the things that might hit us in the future. How can we design our way out of problems? How can we design the future? And that, I think, is one of the other things which I'm hoping people will be thinking about and responding to. The whole design thinking into solutions that we're doing, you know, we're applying for the future. Rose, would you like to share your view about the four themes and then your expectations on them? Yeah, I think health was the no-brainer and was going to obviously be connected to the others. But I think what we've discovered through our process of having these four steering groups and over 50 experts coming together is that so many of the same themes came up across all four groups. And we're really looking forward to looking at what submissions we get that really tackle those core issues. So environment really how we live in a sustainable way and how we as humans and as cities or as nations or as communities figure out ways to live in ways that are much healthier for us but also much healthier for 
our environment and our planet just has knock-on effects on every level and is really the, the main thing that came out from all four working groups. But the society group in particular, I think it was a fascinating discussion because we've all gone through also this big questioning and in a sense an awakening for many people around ethnic inequality and systemic inequalities within society and whether this is an opportunity now for us to not only talk about them and to try and raise awareness, but to change some of the structures that we have. And one of our prompts is, is there a way to design away power from certain groups and give it to others? And I, as someone that has almost no creative bone in my body, have no idea how you could actually conceive of that through design. But there are so many potential things that people can look at from the education system, through to employment, through to policing. So it's not only about the immediate COVID response, but it's really like, how can we harness this opportunity now where we see that there are so many things within the way that we currently live and operate as a collection of communities and a collection of people that need to be amended and adapted. And I think we'll get a lot of really interesting submissions that try and tackle a number of the issues all together at the same time. And Anna, just to be clear, yeah. we're talking about all kinds of design. So as well as things that people really know a lot about, like architecture, landscape design, product design, engineering design, graphics, typography, communication, special effects. There's so many categories. Digital design is one of the things which is so important. Everyone knows how important that's becoming. So just to take an example, in the UK, government took quite a long time before they started looking at how they communicated through the internet. And then along came a fantastic initiative, which included a great designer called Ben Tourette, who basically redesigned the government website, the way the government communicates through the internet to the public. And now if you need to, for example, renew your driving license, instead of it being a complete and absolute nightmare, which takes you about six days and through convoluted routes, you can go to the website, the language is easy, the typography is clear, and you can do it very, very fast. It's part of a public service, which is great for society. And that's a terribly simple example. But if I could just take a few other things from over the years, which I think might be interesting to just mention. Things which were created, designed in this country, in fact, originally. The telephone. Imagine life without mobile phones now. The World Wide Web, the internet. Imagine life without the net. It's only about 35, 40 years ago that it was created. One or two simple examples. So I... I was involved in an initiative um, when I was chairman of the Design Council, which was looking at this kind of ideas and a couple of things which I thought were amazing. One was based on the problems of getting water from standpipes or water from underground supplies in, in a village in Africa hit by drought, for example. And the answer was always the jerry can. It was a uh, jerry can which had probably been used for petrol with a screw on cap, which had probably been lost. And there was a brilliant piece of thinking which ended up with a product called the Oxfam Water Carrier, which is a stackable bucket, basically, but it had a really brilliant lid, very easy to carry. And it was a kind of revolution in the way that people could collect water locally. And then the other thing I think it was an absolutely extraordinary thing was designed by Trevor Bayliss. Again, it was uh, at the end of the 90s. And it came because he was incredibly upset by seeing a television program about the spread of AIDS and finding out that it could actually be dramatically slowed in parts of the world if only people heard how to avoid it. 
but with a lot of low literacy, little electricity, radio batteries being expensive, the message simply wasn't getting through. So he invented the wind-up radio, and it made a dramatic difference to the way in which the story of AIDS and what you could do about it spread. These are extraordinary pieces of design thinking, and it's the kind of thing we're looking for, but it's not just product. It's system designs. It's architecture and environmental design. There are brilliant examples of architects working on emergency shelters when there's been an earthquake or flooding. Even the fashion business, you might say, what's fashion got to do with it? Recently, Anya Highmarch, the great designer, was approached by an intensive care unit from a hospital in London. And they said, we've got a big problem because we go into the hospital, we go to change, we've got to take all our clothes off, we've got to put the special clothing on. But we've brought in our stuff from outside and we want to keep it safe. We want to take our mobile, our personal wallet and our keys in with us. And we can't do that. So to cut to the chase, Anya's designed this little, I can only describe it as a shoulder holster, tiny little pouch, which you can put around your body and it just nestles sort of under your arm. It's got your prized personal possessions in when you go in to do your job in intensive care. It's the most extraordinary idea in result to a very, very new problem, which hadn't been identified before. So I'm interested in thinking like that, which is very much a response to an emergency. I'm also interested in thinking like Joseph Bazalgette, who is the extraordinary engineer who designed the sewage network system for London in response to the cholera epidemic in uh, 1848, 1850, which killed over 14,000 people. And then there was another wave a few years later, which killed more people. And he designed the whole sewage system, the pumping houses, 89 miles of pipes. It was copied by the world. Absolutely extraordinary piece of design on a different scale. But my goodness, the difference that made to people's lives in London and everywhere that that piece of design was taken up. Thank you. Those are great examples of design so that for everyone who will join this call to action, those are examples for people to think about from object to system design. Rose, what would be your choice of a couple of designed ideas that you think has changed the world? Well, I think the bicycle, I mean, it's an obvious one, but I think it's just such a brilliant object that can be made cheaply, can be made expensively, but can really change people's lives so much in terms of their own ability to get places, to get to work, to get to school. And in this period where we're all trying to stay away from one another as much as we can, obviously, is being put up as a really safe way to get around. But it then also obviously has all of the environmental benefits that we all know come from low carbon transport. I personally, through the pandemic, got myself an e-bike, which I'm loving, and I'm jetting around London in that, zooming around from A to B but a bit too scared to lock it up anywhere in case somebody steals it. So if somebody could design a way for no one to steal my bike, that would be even better. And obviously there's been a lot of discussion about how cities are going to transform themselves to be more bike friendly and to allow people to cycle around without all of the hazards that come from accidents, road accidents and, and that sort of thing. So I'd say the bicycle is a classic. People have always said that it would go out of fashion and it always comes back in a new guise or in exactly the same guise. Obviously, bicycle is making a real comeback after this COVID thing. And I'm a keen cyclist. I move around in my bicycle 
And Rose, one of the ways apparently for you to stop people stealing your bike is you customize your bike. And then also ways not to be run over is to be really visible. So I wear pink helmet and my bike is full of colorful stickers. So if someone steals my bike, everybody will know that that's my bike. That's a good idea. I'm just going to scrawl my name in pink over my bike. Exactly. <laughs> Rainbow colors. Neon yeah. color. Yeah. So John and Rose, you sort of sat through the four working groups of the four themes. What was the most surprising issues that came to you? And are there some problems that really stood out, some of the really creative ideas or framings that really stuck with you through these discussions? For me, the really big thing was that we had a huge number of people. We had over 50 people in these workshops and I think about 24 hours of discussion. But there was a common thread, which was that absolutely everybody, they really wanted to contribute to doing something to make the world a better place in this age of crisis, and that design was an absolute key to doing that. But at the same time, I think people are frustrated that there is some great work going on in every country in the world. Every major city has got a great design community, but we aren't linking it all up. And in order to tackle the next big crisis that hits us, apart from the ones we've got already, we need to find a way to link it all up. I felt very, very uh, privileged to be in these discussions. Some of the thinking was so extraordinary. And I just thought, suppose you can multiply this on a massive scale all over the world, then we will get some of these big answers to the big questions. So I was extremely encouraged. Uh, but now, of course, we have to boil down all that thinking, all that talking and all those hours into the briefs which we send out, which, of course, by definition, have to be quite simple and straightforward and quick for people to read. I think for me, it was that so much of it was about there being unnecessary barriers to participation or to access or to information. So in the health conversation, there was so much around how our health systems set up to make it quite difficult for people to find out how healthy they are at any one time or to find out the best things they could do to improve their health in a preventative way or even to access services when they know they need to access professional health care. Similarly on the society one, so, so much of the conversation was around how systems can be set up to proactively exclude people or just to make it very, very difficult for people to find the right solutions for them. And so design, and this is where the technology revolution comes in, design and technology really offer us an opportunity to revolutionise that and to make a number of these barriers effectively disappear by giving people access easily to information in a way that nudges them towards either behaviours or actions that are beneficial for them and for the planet and for society at large. So that was one of the key things that came out for me. I mean, a lot of the um, discussion focused on words such as equality and dignity and rights. And I thought that that was interesting that that was a thread throughout a lot of the discussion. Anna, what do you think from the two groups that you facilitated? And things that really stood out for me, there was one common theme that connects across is the theme of environment, even for, for the health and a little bit on the society and work, the, the, the environment. And obviously we, we spent, we also had a working group around environment, but environment was something that kind of cuts across 
everything and also the interplay of them. Another thing that I thought was really interesting about is the local, your neighborhood, and then how do we connect the global with the local and how do we make our local place, our network matter more. And there are two other elements is the sense of agency about what we can do and the humanity. The word humanity came out in the work discussion. And I found it so inspiring because then we have a different kind of relationship with work. Uh, we should have a different kind of relationship with work. So there's more agency and there's more humanity in our relationship with work. So those are the things that really stood out. But I think there's something almost that threads everything is like, how do we rethink our relationship with stuff? How do we really rethink our relationship with societies, with others, with our work environment, with our living environment? So I think that's something that really, really stood out for me. And there was also, in a lot of the discussion, a focus on whilst designers provide this solutions-focused thinking and this design thinking, collaborations are so essential because often the solutions can be very localised or need to be very specific. And so that's why I think it'll be interesting to see how many people come up with ideas that are very locally specific to them, to their immediate experience, but then also where people can come up with ideas that really resonate globally as well. And I think we'll receive ideas on both ends of the spectrum through this open call. And and don't forget our audience for this initiative. It is, of course, professional designers, whether they are huge companies or one-person small organisations. But at the same time, we want the public to respond with their ideas too. Very often you get great ideas from the public. And also, we're very interested in young people. They do come up with some fantastic forward thinking. And of course, where we are now is going to affect them more than absolutely anybody else. Their whole lives are going to change if uh, society, if the world is able to respond to these crises now and try and make sure that their future is much better. Yeah, I think you're right, John. I think the idea is that who can take part and how can we take part? So you talked about who, how can, how can people take part then? So you go to londondesignbiennale.com forward slash open call. And we are aiming for the deadline of 31st of August. And we're not looking for fully fledged designs. We're just looking for you to submit in any form that you like, photos or drawings, PDFs, or images. Really, we're very happy if people want to collaborate on this as well. Mm. I think that I'd, I'd love to see designers collaborating with companies, with industry. I'd like to see young people collaborating together in teams. I'd like to see designers collaborating with young people, with universities, with academics. This is so important that we start to get new thinking about how to approach these big issues, the crises that the world faces. Collaborations are very often the best way. So we don't really mind where their responses come from. One thing I would like to say is, you know, what will happen to the responses? The fact is that we'll be running an online exhibition and we'll start putting things up in September this year. We'll also exhibit some of the submissions at the London Design Biennale in Somerset House 
in June next year. And that's a very big exhibition, which you've seen by thousands of people and also is obviously looked at through Instagram and all the other ways of communication. And very importantly, some of the really great ideas, the best ones, are going to be considered for further development and implementation, which Chatham House is going to help with. And I hope try and make sure that people who might be interested in helping development will be linked up with the people who've had the ideas. So if you do enter anyone out there who is listening, who wants to join in and enter, then your submissions will be taken very seriously. You could well be exhibited. You could be famous. I I say to the big design groups, you're famous already, but this is perhaps one of the most important things you might ever think about. So come and get involved. I'm very interested in the young people who might respond to this initiative. And of course, young people, by definition, don't have as much experience in life as the older people. So I'm very interested in what they think about, for example, the design of their schools, the design of the kind of spaces that they find themselves in, which sometimes they find a bit dangerous. So I'm interested in young people responding using their own experience. But at the same time, all design is really about trying to make life better for people. So how can design make life better for you if you're one of the young people who might respond to this initiative? So that, that's a sort of special plea. But also the members of the public who aren't by profession designers, you know the difference, though, between good and bad design. And bad design makes you really annoyed and crazy and frustrated every day when it goes wrong. And obviously we don't want that. So what are the things that sometimes you might say, this is the problem, this is what I think really doesn't work, and this is what I think could be done about it? Why doesn't someone do that? So that might be a way for you to react to the brief. Professional designers, well, this is a chance to really say something very important. Quickly, please, because the word urgent is is part of what we say. It's an urgent open call. There's no time to waste. We need to get on with this and get it done and start looking at these fantastic ideas. Yeah, John, I think this is really the call to young people. I think it is the opportunity to design the future that you want. Exactly. What do you want it to be? This project design in the age of crisis really is sort of harnessing that sense of possibility for us to do something different for a better world that we want to live in. So with that, I think that is the end of the interview. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much. Next week, I'll be speaking with former vice president from Twitter and best-selling author Bruce Daisley, along with artist Alexandra Daisy Ginsberg, to discuss how design can make the places we live be both good for the environment and people, and how can our job benefit us and our society. You can submit ideas to the open call until 31st of August 2020. A number of ideas will be selected for our online exhibition, Design in an Age of Crisis, from September 2020. Ideas may also be exhibited at the London Design Biennale in June 2021. Chatham House will consider how some of the ideas might be turned into a reality. If you want to find out more and submit an idea to the open call, visit londondesignbiennale.com forward slash open call. You can also find us on social media through Twitter handles at London Design Biennale and at Chatham House or through the hashtag Design Residence. Thanks for listening.